This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey everybody, welcome to Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy. I am joined here by the wonderful, beautiful, awesome, and talented listener Bev from Aww. California. You say too much. Well, people tell me that, but uh, I didn't say too much about you because you yeah. are all of the above and Aww, then some. Thank so, you. So, uh, welcome again to the show. Welcome listeners to the show. Uh, we've got a special listener tonight listening at home. Pastor Dan is home from the hospital. Yippee. So, Pastor Dan, uh, enjoy that new liver and uh, welcome back to the show in real time. Uh, we'll be getting him on the show once he gets recuperated a little bit more and uh, is able to talk about his experience with the new liver. So looking forward to that soon. But for right now, it is me and my lovely wife, listener Bev. So uh, here we go, on with the show. Our word of the week this week is uh, a fun one. It is artifice. And an artifice is something um, clever or, uh, or cunning that um, is used like to trick or deceive others. So like uh, a false uh, something, so like an, an artifice um of a building uh to make it look like in in movies they use an artifice of a building to make it seem like there's a real building there but it's just a wall that's been painted and i know sometimes in life i will put up an artifice to make you think i'm cool and clever when really it's just a a fake uh whatever do you you think that's where we get the word artificial absolutely uh artificial and artifice come from that same root Mm. word um, so that definitely is a connection. Good job, Bev. And good job using artifice in a sentence right there. You just earned yourself, cha-ching, 10 bonus wow. points. Yeah. So uh, make sure you uh, keep track of your own bonus points as you're going through the week, people. Um, I am not the bonus, pe- p- bonus point police. I am just the purveyor of bonus points. So well, you get them yeah. and use them as you need. Um, okay. I'm your so life. lucky. <clears throat> Ah, I had to clear my throat a little bit, and I looked over, and I noticed that our plant is losing a lot of leaves again. Um, so uh, there's a lot of a lot of little leaves off the plant on the ground there. Very interesting. But you don't care, people. What you're here for is you're here for the show. Uh, so I want to remind you real quick, like, about our uh, social media stuff. Please go find us on social media. I say this every week, and every week people don't find me. So just go on right now. Social media. Any of the social medias that you choose, let's look at uh, Instagram, let's look at uh, Facebook, let's look at Twitter, and just send me. I found you. And um, someone, could be you, someone stands to win some Starbucks for doing that this week. So um, let me know you're out there. Check me out on social media. Would love to have you join us on our Patreon. Um, And by being a Patreon subscriber, you get a lot of things. First of all, you get a little bit of swag depending on what level you come in at. And it, our levels start as low as $1 a month. So really a, a low low amount that you would have to give to get in. But as you go up, you get different kinds of swag. And our $25 a month givers, and that's less than a dollar a day, are included in our book read. So you can um, read books with us as we go through and uh, get onto the um discord server and chat with other $25 members and myself and uh, discuss some books that we're reading and that is just a whole whole lot of fun so I really encourage you to join and uh, become part of it because once again social is more fun if people are being social on it and right now there's a whole lot of me on it and a whole lot of not of you and the number one thing I get when I ask people what can I do better on the show 
It's like, hey, talk less. Let other people talk. So that's your cue right there, people. Go get on the social. Talk to me. Make it more fun for me. Uh, do I have anything else to say, Bev? I think that's it. That kind of covers it all. All right. Well, we're here today uh, doing a show, and I was sitting in church uh, yesterday. Today is Monday night, and I was listening to Pastor Aaron talk, and uh, he quoted uh, a guy that I was not particularly familiar with, but it's a guy named Samuel Chadwick, and he said, it's wonderful what God can do with a broken heart if he gets all the pieces. And I thought, well, I'm writing that down to talk about on a show sometime soon, and I decided that today would be the day that I would write that down and talk about it. So um, you were there in church yesterday, Bev. Do you remember him saying that? I do remember that. <clears throat> and um, I don't remember the auspices under which he, he mentioned that quote, but we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And um, it occurs to me that I don't know anybody who has not had their heart broken by something in life. I mean, even if it's a, a I, I know I got a picture from Dave. I'll put it up on the, uh, on the Facebook for us. But I got a, a picture from Dave and it, um, he broke Camden's heart. Now Camden is six months old and uh, what Dave put on the picture I'm going and finding it right now as as we as we speak. He said, um, uh, "He's mad at me because I put him in the car seat. He's mad dogging me." And there's a picture of Camden, and he's got a look on his face. and And Dave has broken the six month old's heart because he put him in the car seat and locked him up. Um, Bev, what what do you when you think of that that idea of broken heart? What comes to mind for you? I'll tell you, as soon as you said that, I knew exactly what my example would be. I remember our um, 17-year-old daughter, maybe 18-year-old daughter, um, walking in through the garage door and coming into the house and getting to the end of the hallway. And I said, hey, Heather, what are you doing? And she just collapsed on the floor. She was sobbing because she had just heard that her boyfriend broke up with her. And her heart was broken, and my heart was broken for her, and there was nothing I could do about that but just sit and cry with her on the floor. Yeah. It was awful. Awful. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a tough thing, those, those, those teenage heartbreaks. And, and heartbreak, you know, romantic heartbreaks are difficult. And I know I've been through several of them. It feels like it's not going to ever be better yeah. and you don't want it to be better. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been known to join the He-Man Woman Haters Club uh, in the past. But other things, you know, like I had my heart broken uh, just a few weeks ago when I knew something was going to happen. And I had my heart broken by my, my soccer team because they lost in a horribly ugly way, even though I expected them to lose this game. And I went out and I literally, you know, ran three miles to just get the juju out of my system because they had broken my heart. And and I guess in essence, a heartbreak is just, you know, a letdown when, when we're not maybe, maybe not getting what we're expecting or what we want. What, what do you think? Where, where does that definition lie for you? Uh, to me, it could be a couple of different things. It could be either something that I had expectations for and it didn't happen or something that I was absolutely not expecting at all and just came out of the blue 
Okay. Um, so those two things. And I, I did a quick look up on it, and and from the dictionary, uh, it uh, it says overwhelming distress, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. some similar words: distress, grief, suffering, unhappiness, misery, sorrow, sadness. Um, it can come from anywhere. It really can. It 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 can jump out at you, and it's it's. It's not fun. And I think the way we come up with that idea of heartbreak is in our, our, our culture, our Western culture, the heart is seen as, you know, the central thing for life, not the brain or the mind, but the heart is like the essence of us, the spirit of us. And when you break that, it's no longer functioning properly. And it's it's life-threatening. It's, it's the be-all, end-all of things is that heartbreak. And... Um, I, I guess it, it can be and feel devastating when that happens. Um, aside from uh, romance and, and, and broken romance uh, or ended relationship, but what are what are some other areas that you may have experienced or been with people who've experienced heartbreak? Where else can that heartbreak set in, do you think, Bev? Wow. <clears throat> because I'm, I have such a soft heart. It, I, the first examples that come into my brain are always romantic, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think this maybe is tangentially romantic, but maybe not. I remember um, being at choir practice many, many years ago, and um, uh, our son was going through a difficult time in his life, and I found out that, you know, they had filed for divorce, he and his, mm-hmm. his ex-wife now. Um and I remember the lady next to me in the choir said, you know, you're, you're allowed to grieve over that because it's the death of a dream. Yeah. And so the, sometimes it's just what you want for your children. Right. You know? And that's where so, I think, yeah. you know, in heartbreaking <laughs> is when we see uh, a child who has strayed or when we've been the child who is strayed and that feeling of, of breaking the parent's heart and, and looking at our son and and the situations that he's created for himself, it's heartbreaking to think about that because you look at, you know, I look at when, when kids are small and you see the perfection. I, I can see me holding my, you know, infant daughter and then she's gone on and made decisions that I haven't agreed with and it can be heartbreaking to see. It's just so devastating. And I think a lot of times as a parent or even as a friend, as an accountability partner, we'll see people do stuff that we know is not right for them, yet they're still choosing to do it. Um, we had a, a friend that we saw just on Friday that that stopped in for a visit, and some of the choices that they've made in their life, it's heartbreaking. It's just, I just, I, I think to myself, why? Please don't do that. And if you, if you could just play the tape out in advance and... The more experience we have in life, the more we're able to look and see. And, and I think also for me, it's just easier to point it out in somebody else's life where I might not see it in my own life because, you know, I'm living my own life and making my own choices and thinking, well, this is what I'm going to do no matter what. But I know I've been on that end of, of things with people. Well, you know, <clears throat> you you bring up an interesting thought for me, and that is I I think that most often when I have a broken heart, it is over an expectation that I have or a standard that I've set in my life that seems to be best because you use the term uh, they're they're not living the way I 
I know that they should, or I feel like they should when mm-hmm. you're talking about the children. That right there means that you set the bar, you know, that, that, that I feel like I know what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that's really rocky territory because you don't know, let's say that my, my idea is not best for them. You know, and then it's it's getting my will to match up with their will, right? If that makes and sense, it, it gets into the idea yeah. of of judgment. Yes. Um, yes. You know, I, I've heard it said, you know, we we don't need to, you know, we, we don't judge people, and and I've heard people use the uh, the idea of a fruit inspector, and I think it more of like I'm not the produce manager of my grocery store, but I don't get to decide what other people get to buy. Right, right, right. But I am there, and when I'm there, I do get to decide what I get to buy. And I get to look at it and say, I think this piece of fruit is a good one, or I choose not to have that fruit, or, you know, this one looks fresher than the other. And and I I make those decisions, and it's not saying somebody else can't have that fruit, and it's not saying this is the only fruit, but for me, that's what I'm making to put into my life. Well, this is going to be something kind of crazy to bring out but sometimes I think that my heart my broken heartedness is tied to my denial on something and I say that because we could be watching a movie and maybe somebody didn't do something right in their early life and then later in life there's catastrophic results because of that Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm thinking, just go back and fix it. You know, well, that's right. that's denial. You, you can't you can't go backwards in time. So so sometimes my heartbrokenness is because I see that ball rolling. I'm thinking, stop, yeah. stop and before I'm you sure get we've to all, that place. Like you say, you've watched a movie and you could see, like, okay, look. What they did right now at the beginning of the movie, they're going to come back to this at the end and, and this is going to be the arc that we're following and that mistake is going to be critical or this comment that this person made is going to tie back in and we can see that. I can see that when I'm watching a movie. I can watch a horror movie and say, obviously, don't go hide in that closet. Just mm-hmm. run out of the house mm-hmm. and keep going. Mm-hmm. But I've been the one hiding in the closet in the house because mm-hmm. I don't want to face the terror of possibly running through the open room to the door and going out. I want to feel, you know, closed in. And, and like we've talked about before, pulling the blankets over me to feel that, that closeness and just feel like, okay, I must be safe now because the blanket will stop any bad guy that could be out there. Right. Well, I can see that, uh, as we're talking, I can see that crossroads of denial and disappointment and brokenheartedness meeting and like part of that go ahead i was listening i was thinking disappointment a heartbreak and denial and denial okay and kind of crashing together okay. and i think back to when i really first became aware of well when i first started in recovery and i was starting to understand the term denial and understanding the term codependency because that's why i said um, sometimes I, because of my denial, something that's right in front of my face, I will either try to protect that person or shove it under the rug or just look the other way and it's not going to fix it. And then later on, it will break my heart. And I just think, golly, if I had just dealt with it then, I would have been so much further along this road. 
Right. You know? It's it's definitely one of those things where uh, that that um, delay and not dealing with it. We just we we know through our recovery experience, it rarely, if ever, pays off mm-hmm. to wait mm-hmm. to fix something. Mm-hmm. But for the person that has to deal with it, it can be very, very difficult to come up with the the strength, the gumption, the bravery, the temerity, the whatever to push through to the difficult, you know, the push through the difficult area to get to the reward. Because the reward has the artifice of failure. There you go. Ooh, 10 bonus points for you. You know, I just thought of another one to recall, okay. and that is um, sometimes what brings uh, a heartbreak is pride. Uh, my pride in that uh, I remember when my parents and my sister came out to visit me because they thought I was making some poor choices in my life and I would not listen I absolutely argued with them and and just you know maybe not openly argued but I'm sure my body language and uh, the, the words that I chose to say were like Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that was nothing more than sheer pride. Um, and that caused heartbreak for everybody. Yeah. Not only myself, but for them as well. Right. So um, sometimes that can get spread even further by just acting like you you have got this all together. And I can remember you know? many, many years ago when I was relatively new in recovery, I was talking with a person who was having a very obvious issue and did not, they did not deny that what they were doing was wrong, was sin, was whatever. And they like, right now, I just want to enjoy the sin. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, even though they were admitting it, there's still denial about Mm -hmm. what's coming. It's, it's, it's charging everything on the credit card and waiting and hoping you've got the bill, you know, the money to pay for it when the bill comes and, and, and just hoping that something happens or, or putting the money down on, you know, red 18 and hoping it hits, uh, you know, on the roulette table and just, you know, all right, I'm, I'm living for now and, and hoping for the best in the future. And, and sometimes I can, I can portray that as having faith. Like, mm-hmm. well, I'm, yeah. I'm putting God in charge. Uh-huh. I'm having faith, you know, I'm yes. going to jump off this cliff with no, you know, parachute because I've got faith that yes. God will save me. Yes. Uh, uh, and that's just not necessarily how it works. Yes, I've heard that before too. Yeah. 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 And maybe I've even used some of those tactics myself. Yeah. It, and it, I think for me, it's just so easy to see in other people and so difficult. Maybe not difficult for me to see because I see it myself. It's so difficult to act on. When it's me, because when I point it out to somebody else, it takes very little effort on my part, very little pain, very little skin in the game for me to point out what they should do and where they're making a problem. But for me to change it is difficult. I've been working on 78 days, I think, of watching what I'm eating. And I've lost 20-something pounds, maybe 21, depending on the time of day, anywhere from you know 19 to 22 pounds maybe. I can tell a person, look, stop eating so much, cut out snacks, reduce your carbs, exercise more, you'll lose the weight. You can do it. It's going to take a little time, but you'll be fine. Go with God. But me sitting on the couch, 
at midnight with a soccer game on, knowing I've got 45 more minutes to go <laughs> and a bag of chips in the in the cabinet that are screaming so loud, I don't know how it w- doesn't wake you up. It's way more difficult for me at that point. And then yeah. I wake up in the morning like, why didn't you just say no, you moron? I, I like, know. I noticed the donut was gone out of the refrigerator this morning. Well, right I guess this is not a safe zone. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> yeah. And I we, guess that okay. that disappeared yesterday, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, you're not, yeah, yeah, so, not quite so observant. Yeah. Good thing it wasn't dangerous right. or deadly. Right, right. Uh, that was yeah. a heartbreak, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, I don't have an elegant way to blend this in, but um, we're going to, I'm just looking at the clock here and knowing that I've got to move along. We're going to jump to our song of the week and we'll come back and talk about the message part of this mess uh, after this. But right now, we're going to give you about 90 seconds of a song called Carry Me by Need to Breathe. This is uh, was co-written uh, by uh, Bear and John Foreman of Switchfoot uh, joined him on this song to write this song. So uh, here's Carry Me from Need to Breathe. We'll be back in about 90 seconds. Me, oh my, I just love that song. Love me some Need to Breathe as well. Bev, talk to the fine people about what you think on that song. Okay. Well, the the stanza that I love, love, love is the part that says, I found a place where the past was forgiven, where my mistakes met a grace I couldn't earn. And so I piled up my excuses and defenses in the night. Then I lit a match stepped back and watched them burn Mm. and as i look at that i'm gonna try my very best to keep that mental image in my head so that when i'm on my knees and i'm talking to god and especially if i'm confessing something that i can do that that i can know that once i've said it and it's done and it's said that it's like it never happened, that God truly, truly has cast it into a sea of unforgiveness. Unforg- yeah. yeah, and I, I think about, we just saw uh, last week on Thursday, we saw uh, Switchfoot and, John, um, and Need to Breathe together at the Greek Theater, and it was a great show, but they came out, and John came out with Need to Breathe and did this song, and when he sang that line, he did the action of striking a match and, and 
tossing it like you'd toss it into a big bonfire and it just really really sunk in and I, I tell you the first time I listened to this album was in Hawaii I heard it when it came out and um, this song was the standout song to me and musically it stood out to me because I love that hesitation when he goes carry me boom carry me I'm on my way uh, but the words uh, are just there and it, it says here in, in another verse I found a fortress where I could surrender, where my shame didn't hide what I lacked. So I chased you out farther still because I know that I ain't never coming back. And, mm. and knowing that I can give up in a place of safety. I found a fortress where I could surrender. I can give up my will under the protection of God. Not just go into the middle of the field waving a big white flag saying, all right, whatever you'll do, that's it. It's... I'm going in, God's got me protected, and I'm giving up there. And that's not something that always happens. When we surrender, we don't know what the other person's going to do. It's right. not just like, okay, I tap out and we stop and, and reset. It could be like, all right, I give up, and, and they just keep going until you're dead. And I know that God is not going to do that. When I surrender to him, I am in a place of safety, security. He's got me wrapped in his protective, ever-loving arms, and it's gonna be good. You know, I think that one of the hang-ups of my life has been that uh, when I come to the Lord and uh, if I am in a, a place where I'm needing to confess something, <clears throat> I often, re, you know, I often have remorse about what I've done, but I forget that I need to repent of what I've done. And and the only way I Talk can- Talk to me about the difference. Okay. Um, I feel like remorse is temporary and it's based on a feeling where repent, I feel like is a complete um, decision, a final decision to turn back and never go back and do that again. Yeah. It yeah. The feels repentance different. is a change. Right. Remorse is just a feeling sorry, right. which could be from guilt or from conviction. And, and as you were telling me what the part was that you loved about this song, he says, cause I know that I ain't never coming back which is the place we need to be at when uh, when that's where I need to be when it comes to the Lord. Not saying, okay, Lord, uh, I repent of something, and, you know, I'll probably be back again next week to say the same thing because I know I'm going to go out there and do it again. Um, you know, just intentionally taking advantage of God's goodness, yeah. I guess, is what I'm well, trying to I say. I know as a sponsor, as a ministry leader, as a guy who's been doing 12 steps now for a lot of years and a lot of situations, hearing people, there are words that I will listen for that will tell me what they, what kind of business they mean. And I've heard people say in the past, you know, one of the questions I'll ask is what brought you to this meeting the first time or, or what brought you to the decision to work your 12 steps or what brought you to decide to become sober well I just didn't want to feel that way anymore okay that's good I'm glad that is remorse I don't want to be like this anymore I don't want to do these things to people mm. anymore that's repentance. repentance that's the heart change that's going to happen that's a person who's more likely going to stick with it longer than the person who's just tired is because most people don't like the feeling of a hangover in the morning right but that doesn't stop them from going out and drinking again that night right right and i didn't you know like the feelings of guilt that i found but i 
I couldn't battle it and it wasn't, I was, I was trying to stop the feelings of guilt instead of trying to stop the feelings that were making, requiring me to cover up something mm -hmm. and, and getting to the root cause. And I think that's what you are talking about. Well, that's what I think of when you talk about that repentance is going and getting the root out and, and it being gone. You know, it's, uh, I have a little bit of a battle in my mind between um, when I was reading the Old Testament, you know, I, I discovered that, you know, God is always God. He's always been the same and he always has the same character. But so much of the time when I read about was people, you know, cross the line with God and they, they sinned and, you know, God zapped them. You know, especially mm -hmm. if he told them beforehand, this is what's going to happen if you do this. You know, there were immediate and swift consequences. And then sometimes they weren't so immediate, but they still yeah. came. And that because of Jesus, I feel like it is easy. You know, I'm so glad I'm on this side of grace, but it's easy to forget that God is still God. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to be taking advantage of his goodness and not intentionally meaning it is my heart's desire to never go back and do that again. Now, I might fail. I, I might still do it. But I shouldn't stay in that mindset that says, oh, and you know what? God will give me do-overs if I do. Right. You know? And I and think it, that leads us back into the topic <clears throat> we were talking about with that quote that, you know, it's wonderful what God can do with a broken heart if he has all the yes. pieces. Uh, I... I'm the guy, listen, if, if you're doing a puzzle in your house and you invite me over, uh -uh, don't. keep a close eye on me. <laughs> because my my humor is like, hey, I'm going to take a piece and hide it and make it so you don't have that last piece of the puzzle. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you what, if you're a puzzle person, you know what I'm talking about. You can take a 5,000 piece puzzle and put 4,999. If you don't have that last piece, you didn't do that puzzle. I know how that is. I'm that way and I that's just the rotten part of me that will go and do that and God wants all of my mess and for me sitting in a, a cell uh, with a bunch of other felons knowing what I had done and rotting in my own filth it was hard for me to say I want to give all of this to you God because I was so ashamed of the mess that I was in and uh, it's it's pride and 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 just that that idea that I can do this and and I don't want to let the all-knowing all-powerful all-creating God know this thought this action I don't want to give this thing to him because I might need it in the future mm-hmm um, it's complete folly to think that way, but I've done it. Yeah. The, uh, it, you know, we have story after story in the Bible of where Jesus thought and taught differently. And, and you know, in watching The Chosen, that was one of the taglines is get used to different. You know, Jesus telling disciples, just get used to different because I operate differently. And <clears throat> so to think that, well, I, I would think of it this way. Who else would you go to with the worst stuff in your life and lay it down at their feet and say, here, fix this? Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, in reading a devotion the other day, <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with saying, God, help me. 
Right. God, God help me is a great thing to say. But I think even better thing to say is, God, I can't please fix this for me. Yes. Please fix it for me. And, you know, if you need my help, you, you'll let me know. But until then, I'm just stepping back. I'm giving you my ugly. And, and for know. me, moreover than that, it is the idea of God fix me. Yes. You know, not just this one instance. Right. Fix me so I don't do this again. Move me beyond remorse into repentance. Make a change in my life. That Romans 12 to the changing. Make the ing happen again in my life. Isn't it funny, though? I, I remember us, and I think we've made a reference to this on one of the other shows way, way back. I remember when I was doing some crocheting and the yarn would get all tangled up and knotted and you would sit on the opposite side of the room and you would stretch the yarn out and you would spend an hour untangling that yarn so that when it got to me, I could go ahead and use it. And it's funny to me that we go through life, I go through life and I make so many mistakes that it's tangled up in a knot that I can't get out. But you know what? God can. So it's so funny that why in the world do we not want to give it to the one that can fix it? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. pride. Yeah. I guess it's pride. Yeah, it's pride. Pride and, and, and just the, the selfishness of not wanting to know. And another idea that we've talked about is that idea of, of the discomfort of the unknown. Yes. Even though something is, is hurtful. When we understand it, when we know that pain, when I know I'm going to come home and my spouse is going to be angry and throw things, I stay there because I understand it. I know the parameters yes. of it. And and please, that was an example that my wife is wonderful. She does not do that. I was using that as an example. Um, but we know that people will have a tendency of staying where they know what's going on just because Sometimes that feels safer, easier, more able to handle than the unknown of the good. Mm-hmm. The known of the bad is what we choose. Well, I think, too, uh, we can bring our broken heart to God and ask him to fix that. But then the second part that sometimes throws me off is I have to realize that I have to forgive myself. And sometimes it's easier for me to ask God to forgive me than it is for me to ask me to forgive me, you know? We have that as one of our questions in the um, step study guides for celibate recovery is the forgiveness of, you know, from others, from God and from myself and which one is the most difficult. And for me, it's myself Mm -hmm. um, because I know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just mean I know what good I can do. It means I know the horrible things that I've yes. thought and contemplated yes. and tried to figure a way out of how to do mm-hmm. or manipulate or create a situation and engineer mm-hmm. it so that I could get what I wanted that was wrong. And I know those things. And so I count myself as guilty for that as 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 though I had done it where the, the public doesn't. They, they don't know the devious thoughts in my head um, or the, the things that I would do if I just had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. They don't know that. And so they're not judging me for that, but I know it. And then I know that God knows it. So I, I prejudge myself and then I project that judgment onto God and I play God. And I mean, gosh, I can't even play Paul, right? How on earth am I going to play God? <laughs> but I do it. 
so so how do we give all the pieces to God? How do you give all of your pieces to God? What does that look like when God has all the pieces for that broken heart? What it looks like is, I'll use a term that my sponsor used many, many years ago, and that is, I stop playing God. So I stop trying to do the job that I think God should do. And then the other thing is, I embrace and look for, in my Bible reading, characteristics of God and sticking with them and then believing his promises. Mm. So if I really, if somewhere in my mind that I still, you know, as much as I love God, let's say that I still see him as a harsh, harsh judge, it's going to be really hard for me to trust my life in his hands. Yeah. So I need to dig deeper in his word to really know who he is, how he operates, and really believe that he's love, really believe that God is love. Um, but, and playing God, I don't know if I explained that very well, and I probably don't have a real definition of that, but it's just still feeling like that I can do this better in my hands than God can do in his hands. Right. So. And I think about uh, a concept that I've heard many people use this illustration, and so it's, it's not my illustration. I'm, I'm borrowing this, but the idea of kintsugi, which is the, the Japanese oh. art form of taking broken pottery and putting it back together, but putting gold mm. to, to put all the cracks back together. And what happens when you do that, it highlights it. You know, I've done tile work and I've broken a tile before and not wanted to recut it. So I, I put that tile together and make it so that the, the, the tile doesn't show the crack. I try to hide that crack as much as possible. And in Kintsugi, you are highlighting the crack. You are taking away from the vessel and showing those lines with the most valuable part of the vessel because the gold is far more valuable than the clay to make the pottery, you know, as an element in and of itself. And so you're, you're highlighting with the best possible thing, the fault and putting it together to make something that's far more valuable than the original pottery would be far more beautiful and having far more meaning than that. And, and I love the translation of Kintsugi. It says here um, on Wikipedia that Kintsugi is translated as golden journey. Mm. And, and this is our life. Our journey is our life. And the, the cracks, the broken pieces, that's what makes our journey so much more interesting and takes the vanilla out of it. If you think back in your life right now, You'll think of some happy moments, but most people, the difficulties stand out more than the stuff that went well or easy. Now you'll you'll remember, you know, when, you know, like I remember when my team won the championship or whatever. But those hardships in life, those difficult times that I was able to get through, those are what really stand out and that I cherish as memories. I don't want to live in that misery. But I cherish the memories of getting through these difficult things and becoming my own Kintsugi piece of art as my broken body is put back together by God and just all that beautiful gold is him where he fills in those cracks and binds my mistakes together. And, and every one of those pieces is a mistake. He's taking all the mistakes and instead of making the sum add up to something even worse, he's making it add up to the whole, which is complete, which is beautiful, which is... It's wonderful. 
I want to I want to expand on that a little bit because I was reading a devotional the other day. And we apologize for oh, the jet flying by. Yes, I don't know if I'm saying this word correctly, but I'll spell it. It's P O T S H E R D. Potsherd, I think is it. In the Bible, they use that term, and I don't know Greek. Okay, so, but they use that term, I think, in Job, where it talks about um, he would, you know, this is kind of a gross thought, but he would scrape his sores with, with that because it was the broken pieces of pottery, and then they would just scoot them out on the outskirts of the city. And um, it's, it always sounds like that's a pile of trash, but the person writing this devotional said she never knew this before, but in talking to a, a person that was actually, um, what do you call a person that is a potter? I guess a potter, a person that works with pottery. Potter, okay, yeah. yeah. That if you're going to make a pot of any distinction that's going to stand and be strong and is actually going to be useful, mm-hmm. what you have to do, you can't just build it with new clay. You have to go to those, the dust. You have to go to the dust of the old pots and you have to gather that dust and incorporate it into the new clay. And that's what makes it strong. And um, so the, the point of the devotion was to say that when God builds us new, kind of like what you're talking about, he uses all that old stuff that we messed up to turn us into a stronger person and um, build us new. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a cool thought because I had never thought about that before and I didn't know that. Yeah. So when you're talking about putting the cracks together and all that, there is a useful part of, of every heartbreak mm-hmm. that happens in our life that it actually can enrich our lives if we allowed it to do, to do that rather than wallowing in it in self-pity or... Um, looking for somebody else to feel sorry for us. Yeah, you know? and, and I had that experience um, this week of sharing my testimony. And, and you know, you're getting up and you're telling a room of potential strangers the worst stuff you've ever mm-hmm. done. Like, let me just tell you the worst me. Mm-hmm. Let me show you the worst me that there is um, because I just, I feel like doing that right now. It's not, it's not something that we, is a natural tendency to do. But the beautiful part of that is, is that those people will sit in those seats and stay. They'll get past their hatred of the worst thing you did, and they'll see the best thing that God did, yes. which is to make the whole brand new yes. me. Yes. And uh, and I love that. So uh, I see that we've gone long. Um, you know, ideally, this show originally started as like a twenty-minute show, and um, back, you know, in episode one, and we're now at, and I had it mapped out to the minute. Uh, we're sitting here now about 42 minutes of just recording time uh, plus 90 seconds of a song and bumpers at the beginning and the end. So it's going to be a little bit longer than that 20 minutes, but I'm okay with that. I do want to say thanks for being here, Bev, and Thank thanks you. for being here, listener. And know that all of your pieces, God wants them all. You know, he wants to take that and make that Kintsugi piece to show and put in a museum of you because you're his favorite and he doesn't want to miss any of those pieces so find the way to give all those pieces a great way to do that is is by having an accountability partner a sponsor a friend someone you can talk to even if it's just you know 
becoming a Patreon member and getting onto our Discord chat server and being able to chat with just members of Mess It Up Discord server family and, and knowing that everybody who's there has a mess that's been turned into a message and you're part of that family. You can you can do that. If you want to contact me, you can send me an email at bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com um, and, and I'll talk to you. Or you can send me a text or a phone call, 760-608-1942. Reach out. You know, we're here for you. That's that's why we're doing this is to, to connect with people and, and get get a bigger family of God, you know, growing. And and we just, we challenge you to do that. We cherish everything that we can get from you in terms of that com- relationship. And, and we love to be able to just, you know, be together and, and turn into a, a, a lovely, lovely tea set on God's shelf filled with gold. And I'm going to stop working that metaphor because it's, and I think it's done. I think it is too. And I think the show is done too. So uh, don't forget to check us out on, on social. Um, say hi to me on the social. Send me a, a message, you know, specifically on there. So I, I see that it's that. There's no hashtag. It's just I'm going to look at activity and pick someone who's active this week on one of the socials and, and get them some coffee. Thanks for being around. Check out the Patreon. Go to messituppodcast.com. Click on become a patron to go to our Patreon page, which gets you onto our discord chat server it can get you into our book group it can get you just some accountability partners and friends and be part of a community um so that you can uh, reach out and have all those pieces behold be be whole and uh, there's nothing left for me to say except for we'll see you next time we mess it up Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.